What it do, baby? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Big Zoo, a.k.a. NR Zooming, and it is time to Jets right here on Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. So you know what you got to do, people. You got to hit that subscribe. You got to leave that five-star rating and a comment. Appreciate you doing so. That gets more eyes on the podcast. It helps to keep food in my boy Duke's bowl. It helps to keep the lights on and the heat on in these cold, cold, cold winter months. So please make sure to subscribe. Appreciate you all doing so. Appreciate you all listening. And here we are another week after a Jets win. And I mean, I hope you all best in a little bit of glory, even though it wasn't one of the finest games that we have ever watched. And it definitely wasn't a great game for Zach Wilson. But we could talk about Zach a little bit later on in this episode because I would like to start off with some of the positives from that game. And something that I think that we are starting to see it trending in the right direction, finally, under Joe Douglas. And that is, of course, the offensive line. And the offensive line, I mean, you can hit me up on the Twitter machine, at Zoobeard77. You can let me know what you think about these boys, because I've been very disappointed and I have been very vocal with my disappointment of how bad this offensive line has been throughout the season. So... When I'm paying them a compliment, it is definitely something that should be taken note of. And I mean, I get I'm not a former NFL offensive lineman, and I'm not somebody that, you know, has a great respected voice, but you should know that when somebody has been crushing and crushing and crushing a group, that when they start to get a little bit of praise, you should, you should understand that that's, that's something they're doing good. And the job of Joe Douglas in specific, I got to give him a heck of a lot of credit for going out and being able to bring in Lorraine Duvernay-Tardif on this team midseason at the trade deadline, essentially, for Dan Brown. And they brought Brown back now. So, because the Chiefs waived him, obviously, because, I mean, what the heck were they getting in him? Uh, uh, no offense to Dan Brown. If he's or his family is listening, I mean, bro, I hope you have a great career. But realistically, you were coming back here if the Jets wanted you anyway, because it wasn't probably going to work out in KC. So they get Brown back. What did you give up for Duvernay Tardif? Nothing. You essentially got him for free. And he is a guy who has changed that right side of the offensive line, who has changed the interior of this offensive line, because now you look at that right guard position and there is absolutely no problems coming from there. And I mean, while the left side has gotten a little bit weaker over the last couple of weeks, having that right side be so strong is something that gives you a little bit of hope for seeing progression for Zach Wilson the rest of the season, for seeing progression for Michael Carter through the rest of the season, and obviously seeing progression for Elijah Moore because if Zach Wilson is able to progress, that means Zach, uh, Elijah Wilson, Elijah Moore. Damn, man, what are you doing, bro? You calling him Zach Moore, Elijah Wilson? Come on, bro, get your head together, man. Sheesh. Sorry, guys, I just had to get myself a little pep talk there. (laughs) But obviously, if Zach Wilson is going to be progressing Elijah Moore is going to be progressing alongside of him and you hope to continue to see Elijah Moore who has been going off lately progress and the only way that's going to happen is if this offensive line continues to get a little chemistry 
get their communication down. And honestly, I think the group that's running out there right now with Morgan Moses at right tackle, with Duvernay Tardif at right guard, with McGovern at center, AVT at left guard, and George Fant over at the left tackle, I think this is a solid unit that, if we're being honest, should probably finish the year as the starting unit, barring any injury, of course. And I know there are some questions in terms of Mackay Becton, but, and I know some people, like we had Mike Flegelman on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he spoke about how much he still has, you know, faith in Becton and belief that Becton's going to be an elite level, you know, left tackle in this league. And I'm not, you know, I don't disagree with Fleeks. I definitely see it like that too. But at the same time, you don't want to bring him back and rush him back early. So if you're able to run with this offensive line, let them get a little bit of uh, work together, continue to let AVT to develop next to two veterans, I, I just think that's that's better overall for what this team is going for. And plus, you don't want Makai coming back from a knee surgery too early because he's a big boy. And you don't want him to continue to get lower body injuries. That's That's how you have a left tackle or an offensive lineman who retires early or isn't able to even make it on the field for any type of longevity of time. Like you don't want to, you don't want to have Makai Becton being a dude who's unable to make it through a full season because of leg injuries and obviously weight as well. So people have criticized Makai and it's been getting really, really loud lately. I mean, I was uh, producing a show for Kim Jones a couple of weeks back and on the fan, and of course, she had uh, Brian Baldinger, the great Brian Baldinger on. And Brian said that, you know, essentially that, you know, Makai Becton has not been living up to his end to the end of the deal for the Jets. And he has not been doing his thing. And people question, you know, if he's a guy who can make it in this league. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, maybe, maybe not the last part there, but I got to be honest with you. This is the kind of stuff that people have been saying for a long time and you've heard it from a lot of different directions and now now it's becoming a popular belief and I don't want to say that I think that Makai isn't the dude going forward but I don't I definitely don't think he's the guy to bring back right now this year I just don't think it's a good spot for him I think you can send him a message by not bringing him back and hopefully that message gets through and if it does get through, then he is a dude who wants to do this. He is a guy that has that next level that will push himself to be great, that will be a dude who can be an all-pro Hall of Fame type player because he has the size, he has the strength, he has the ability. He just needs to really commit himself. And, I mean, right now he's not doing that. And that's why he's not on the field, and that's why I think he should stay on the sideline for the rest of the year because right because you see this offensive line is working. When they don't, when they have bad plays, it's mostly because they have poor communication, and that's something that you can work on. And I know I've been beating it up the last couple of weeks because that's something you have to beat up because that's something you can fix quickly. And if you can fix that, then you can worry about the bigger things. Right now, that's the biggest issue. If they can clean up the communication, this offensive line is going to keep Zach Wilson upright for the most part. This offensive line is going to create big holes for Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, 
Ty Johnson, they are much better than they were a couple of weeks ago. Now, they're not world beaters. They're not the hogs from the Washington Redskins in the early 90s, but they are solid. And, I mean, AVT and Duvernay Tardif in specific are two guys that I think should be and will be back on this offensive line starting next year. I don't want to commit to George Fant being a starter because, one, we saw that he didn't look as good as he does at the left tackle spot, at the right tackle spot in the beginning of the year. And, two, with Mekhi Bankton looming around and the possibility of him coming back and being a part of this starting offensive line, it's hard for me to say that George Fant is going to be back next year playing big minutes on that left side. And if he can't play the right side at a high level, it's hard for me to commit to him being a starter at all. So, I have confidence in AVT and Duvernay Tardif coming back and being starters next year. Outside of that, I don't really see very much. But that doesn't mean you can't play these guys and get the most out of them right now so that you can develop this team and continue moving forward. Because the best thing for this team, this young team, in my opinion, is not running out Makai Becton, who just had knee surgery, who is still pretty big and you know, might not be feeling totally 100% and might not be in the best weight or playing weight to be getting on a not very long ago surgically repaired knee. I think if you're smart, if you're the Jets, you keep him off the field, you send the message to him that we aren't safe with you going out there at your size with this injury just coming off of it. I mean, I think it sends a lot of a message to him And if he accepts it, if he does something about it, it tells you that he's the guy for you going forward. If he doesn't, then that tells you everything you need to know. So this is going to be a make-or-break offseason, I think, for Mekhi Becton. And we might know his future with the Jets by the time the draft rolls around in April. And this is going to be a big draft for the Jets, man. This is going to be a big opportunity for the Jets to make right on a couple of misses over the past couple of years and help quickly spark this rebuild and get it onto another level because the Seahawks are awful. I mean, they have a couple of cupcakes on their schedule still. They're getting uh, Jacksonville at home. They're getting another cupcake. I just can't think of who they're playing right now off the top of my head. Detroit. They got Detroit at home. I think they might have Chicago. They might have a game with Chicago. Oh, they already played Jacksonville. They have the game with Chicago and they have the game with Detroit. So, You got a couple of easy ones there. You got to figure they're going to get at least two, three more wins on the season. But figure Seattle sitting with a pick somewhere in that 8 to 12 range and the Jets finish the year with a top five pick. This is going to be huge for this team. And I mean, we've gone through guys throughout the season who could be potential picks for the Jets. And, you know, I've spoken about Aiden Hutchinson, who... For sure had a massive moment over the weekend getting the three sacks versus Ohio State and putting Michigan firmly to control their own destiny to go to the playoffs. Uh, he's a he's a game wrecker. He's a quick dude off the outside. He's twitchy, but he's also really strong and he's really smart as a pass rusher. Very developed with a lot of moves. I mean, you got to give the guy credit, but... I was just talking about the offensive line, and I've mentioned Tyler Linderbaum, another great player. He's a dude out of Iowa. You got to watch this weekend as he takes on Michigan. But now, with the questions around the tackle position, 
I mean that I have like in the future, I really do have some questions. I had to take a look at some tackles, which isn't something that I wanted to do, but it's something that I had to do. So I got a quick tackle for you here to take a look at amongst my four college players that you need to watch. And the tackle, of course, is Iki Ekwanu, and that's out of NC State. He is a big dude who it just mauls people on the run, and I know what you're saying right now. Here's another Makai Becton. I'm telling you, Icky, man, he can also be good in the pass. He's a strong player. He's gotten better each and every year at NC State. NC State is a solid team. They have a great run, obviously, and... I mean, yes, the same question marks are there with him in terms of pass blocking as there were with Mekhi Becton, but I don't think there are as big question marks with him in terms of personality, in terms of being able to go out there and commit for the team and get things done for you. So Icky's a dude that if they do decide to bring in another offensive tackle, I think he's a guy that's good, and he can play on the right side as well. He's done that at NC State, so... I wouldn't mind seeing them potentially bring in Icky out of NC State, but also another guy that I like a lot, and I think this could be a really good pick for this team. And Icky's obviously going to be a dude who goes in the top 10. This is a guy who's going to go a little later on, probably somewhere between 14 and 20, I would say, maybe 14 and 25, depending on what the what the needs are of the teams in those slots. But this is a guy that if the Jets could find themselves in that range by trading down or trading up, I would love for them to get. And that's N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia. And N'Kobe is the man. I mean, this guy is an absolute menace in terms of pass rushing. He has been, I mean, I don't want to say he's been a f- the best, but he's one of the best linebackers that I've ever seen in coverage in my entire life. And, I mean, I guess that's not a long time. I'm 25. I'll be 26 on Monday. So send in uh, send in any of your, you know, any birthday. If you got any uh, cake or anything, any good, uh, any good bars in the city for me to check out, send those over. You know, I'm always looking for some ideas. But uh, back on topic here, man. This is a guy who can absolutely play the linebacker position, and he fits – the needs that this Jets linebacking core needs. And that's somebody who can play, oh my gosh, who can play pass coverage. And he's somebody that can sit back and get at the pass rusher, you know, pick his ears up and get at him. And I mean, while Quincy is a guy who can do that with reckless abandonment, Quincy isn't a guy who can play coverage in the way that Nicobe can. And if you bring in this guy, he can absolutely change the face of his defense right away. And that's what this Jets team needs next year. They need a guy not in the secondary to come in as a rookie and play big minutes for them. And I think N'Kobe out of uh, Georgia is going to be that guy. And you can watch him on Saturday in the SEC championship game big time for Georgia. I think they're going to whoop that Alabama ass. But... You know, maybe I'll give you a little college football playoff prediction at the end of the episode here since the conference championships are going to be on before I talk to you next. I'll give you a little thoughts about that. But N'Kobe Dean, man, that's a dude to definitely check out out of Georgia. Next up, I got Roger McCrary out of uh, Auburn. Cornerback had an absolutely phenomenal Iron Bowl versus 
Alabama. He was shutting dudes down left and right. I mean, you got to give a man credit. He was getting tar. He, they were throwing at him a lot, but he was shutting dudes down. He was broken up. I think he had six pass breakups on the day. Barely any catches allowed, if any. I think he gave up a touchdown at the end. I think that might have been him on that or in overtime. But he absolutely played his ass off in that game, and he he has been great all season. He's got decent size at six foot, you know, good speed. But the best thing about him is he's not afraid to get right up into a receiver, but he's also smart enough to know how to sit back and be able to make the play on the ball as well. I mean, there aren't too many guys in college who are – great like that who know how to play both the ball and the man but he is one of those rare examples and along with uh sauce gardner out of cincinnati who you can also watch this weekend he will be playing in the american conference championship versus houston so please check that out as well big college football games this weekend if you want to see some potential first round picks but between sauce gardner and McCrary, I think those are the two guys that the Jets specifically need to target if they decide to go corner early on because those are two guys that they do something different than the players that they already have in their system. And I think that having guys that do what they do, you know, specifically play pretty good man coverage and be able to potentially take a side of the field away, that's something that the Jets need. And, I mean, Bryce Hall is a good player, but I don't think he's ever going to be that good of a player. And these are two guys that have the ceiling to get there. I wouldn't mind seeing either of them in Jets green next year, but, again, if we're drafting a corner in the first round, I hope we made a lot of a lot of improvements through free agency elsewhere because I don't need this secondary to get any younger than it already is. All right. <laughs> Final Final player to watch in college, another man who will be playing this weekend. He will be playing the late game, the night shift on Saturday with USC playing in the Pac-12 championship game versus Cal. And that is, of course, one pass rusher, edge rusher, D-end, whatever the heck they are calling it now. And that is Drake Jackson and... I mean, I've been looking at Jackson for about two years now. I like to I like to watch the mock drafts for a long time just to see who who the guys, who the experts are thinking are going to be great in college the following season. Also to just see who, you know, who to follow, who are guys that I'm going to really need to keep an eye on. And Drake Jackson has been a guy that I've been looking at for the better part of a year. And coming out of USC, he didn't have – I mean, he didn't have the type of year this year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it that, you know, anybody expected. He was a guy that could have easily went in the top 10, potentially top five. You know, he should he could have been a, what Aiden Hutchinson is right now, but he's not. Um, but he has that potential. He has shown that ability in the past. He's really strong. He's incredibly quick. He's not as developed in terms of his rushing moves pass rushing moves that is and he's not incredible on the run he's solid and he could get better there but in terms of just raw skill and potential drake jackson is a guy that i would like to see brought into this defense especially since he's a second round option i think if you're sitting there with a carolina pick that's potentially going to be in the top 10 in the second round and you're going to have a pick potentially in the top five 
He's a guy that should be there for both of those. I wouldn't be shocked if they used one of those picks to bring in Drake Jackson to help beef up this pass rush, to bring a younger body in there, learn with these old bulls, and you know save a little bit of chicken. And by chicken, I mean money, people. <laughs> but it's going to be really important to hit on this draft because there's going to be a potential for, I mean, four picks in the top 40. And honestly, a more accurate will probably be four picks in the top 45. But still, that's very big. And when you get that opportunity to take those many picks in that that high of the draft, you got to make sure you're hitting on them. So Joe Douglas hasn't had, you know, jury's out on his drafts right now. But Elijah Moore is looking good. Michael Carter looks good. We'll see what we have in AVT. We'll see what we have in Mekhi Becton. Braden Mann's not bad. Bryce Hall's not bad so far. But the biggest question mark and the guy that's going to be make or break for Joe Douglas in terms of how we grade all of his drafts, and it won't even matter what the 2022 draft looks like if this guy sucks. But if if Zach Wilson doesn't get his act together and start playing well, then it won't matter, like I said, what any of these draft classes look like otherwise for Joe Douglas because he is going to be gone. He will not be making any more of these draft selections for the Jets. Zach Wilson is the man on this team, and it should be the guy that Joe Douglas is basing everything around going forward. But Zach Wilson has not shown anything so far that would give you the confidence that he is going to be the quarterback of this team in four years. And that's scary. That's scary to talk about as a rookie quarterback, to talk about for a rookie quarterback. And, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of room to learn. He They got the win. He played a smarter second half than he did the first half. But that right there, the playing better in the second half than the first half, is not anything new. It's, it's really not. He has played better in every single second half this entire season. Look at his stats. He is significantly better in the second half than he is in the first half. Not just in the last game, not just in, you know, oh, the Titans game, in every single game. This is a trend more than it is something to look at and say, oh, there he goes. He's figuring it out. I would argue that he is not figuring it out, that he is the same quarterback that he was prior to getting injured, which is not what you need out of Zach Wilson right now. You need to see him become better, and it has to start happening ASAP. Otherwise, I really don't know. I really don't know what this team is going to do. And I get, you know, you have to give people time. You have to give them time. Look at Tua. He's starting to have success, and people were writing him off as a joke about a month ago. He's starting to take control of that Dolphins team. He gives Zach the opportunities, and he will have immense opportunities. But he's really got it. It's it's going to come down to him because he has had moments. He has had plays to make. Barrios cutting across the field wide open with an opportunity to get a first down. Instead, he's trying to force it downfield and make a big-time play. You know, Ty Johnson is running away from him, and he flicks it at the back of his head. He's still throwing balls that are easily could be intercepted if cornerbacks were a little bit better. I mean, Zach Wilson is not where you want him to be, and he's not getting smarter right now. This is an opportunity this weekend to go up against a team that's not necessarily great in the secondary in Philadelphia, and maybe he can show us a little something and have a good first half because that's what I want to see out of Zach Wilson. 
I want to see a game where he puts together a nice drive in the first quarter, puts together a nice drive in the second quarter, puts together a nice drive in the third quarter, and puts together a nice drive to win the game in the fourth quarter. And maybe he doesn't have to win the game with a touchdown or something. Maybe he just needs to get a first down so they can take knees and win. But I need to see Zach Wilson become the guy who, at minimum, can manage a game from the start to finish and not have stupid errors in between. And I get he's a rookie, but there's a difference from making rookie errors and stupid mistakes. And he is making stupid mistakes right now. And that that can't happen. Rookie errors are one thing. Stupid mistakes are another. Remember that. Tweet at me, at Zubeard77. Let me know what you think. Am I being a little too harsh on Zach? I feel like I could be. Let me know what you guys think about these college players. Who are you going to be watching this weekend? What do you think about those games? I'm going to give you my pick right now. And, oof. I mean, you got the top four sitting there with Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Bama at three, and Cincinnati at four. And God bless you, Cincinnati. I am rooting for you guys to get in because I'm a fan of the Cinderella's. I'm a fan of the mid-majors getting opportunities to make runs, and I love when they do. So I am rooting for Cincinnati to get in there this weekend. And, you know, when I'm all said and done, maybe we'll see if they do. Georgia, I think Georgia's going to beat up on Alabama this weekend. Uh, go and check that game out for N'Kobe. He Linebacker, great player. Check him out. He's going to be doing a lot versus that Bama, de- oh, Bama defense, versus that Bama offense and Bryce Young. Bryce Young, a really great player as well. You know, he's a red shirt freshman, so he will be coming out next year. If Zach Wilson doesn't work out, he might be the guy that we're getting. <laughs> but but that's crazy. That's not a guy you should be watching. Check out N'Kobe. He's a solid player. Also, Evan Neal, offensive tackle for Bama. Check him out. I think George Doe is going to whoop Alabama in that game, knock Alabama out of the playoffs. That opens up one spot. Georgia will take the one seed, though. Michigan, I think they'll play a tight game with Iowa, way tighter than people expect. Take the 11 points with Iowa, in my opinion. Um, maybe don't do that, actually, because now that I said that, it's probably going to go the other way, and Michigan's going to whoop them. But <laughs> do what you want to do there. I would go Iowa. Please don't take my word for it. Please don't put money on it if you don't have a feeling or you don't have money to burn. Um I think it'll be a good game, though. I think it'll be low-scoring. Michigan wins. They're in a the playoff. And they're the number two seed. Now is here. Now is when it becomes interesting. And I'll start with the Big 12. And I'm going to say that we will have Baylor defeat Oklahoma State and keep the Big 12 out of the college football player once again. And Baylor doing the dirty to a Big 12 you know, competitor, Big 12 rival. Once again, they did it to TCU before. And now we'll sit here as I'm a Big 12 guy. I'm a West Virginia guy. And we'll sit here on the outside looking in once again. But I'm going to be okay with that because you know what? The Big 12 spot is going to be occupied by the team out of the American Conference. And that is Cincinnati. The Bearcats will get in. I think they beat Houston. It might be a little closer, a little more tight than they want it to be, but I have a feeling they're going to run the clock out when it's all said and done, get that win, post Cincinnati in their first ever college football playoff and the first ever college football playoff for any mid-major team. And fourth position 
in the college football playoff, I think it's going to end up going to those boys from Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame finds their way into the college football playoffs somehow, some way after a crazy season. I mean, only lost to Cincinnati. They don't have a game this weekend, Notre Dame, so don't look for them on the guide. They don't play in a conference. They don't have a conference championship game. It's also a negative for them. So there's a chance they get left out. I just buy that Notre Dame, with the way they beat up teams that they had to beat up this year, I think they get in and they have an opportunity to stick it to Brian Kelly, that bum. Yeah, and I called him a bum, but I mean, hey, Brian, good for you. Go get your money. The only reason I say that is because I hate when coaches take shot at players in college because players can transfer and go and play immediately. And they say, oh, that shouldn't be allowed. But yet these coaches back out of their contracts after they sat at a 17, 16-year-old's table and told their parents they're going to take care of these kids. And then they leave immediately before that kid is even a sophomore. It's pathetic. It is cowardly. And for him to not even go and talk to those kids, for him to stand there for two minutes is worse than having a full-on speech to them. It's an absolute joke. It's pathetic. And it is what all of these college coaches do. And they are no better than the players that they try to take shots at, that the media takes shots at, that the people take shots at. So when I don't want to hear any of this anymore. I am done with hearing the college coaches bitching and moaning about their players leaving and transferring and being able to play. You're able to leave and coach and go and make millions and millions and millions of dollars regardless of anything, and it's pathetic, so shut up and stop being a baby. With that being said, <laughs> my college football playoff is, of course, number one Georgia taking on number four Notre Dame, who are going to stick it to Brian Kelly and get to the college football playoff. And, of course, the number two seed, Michigan, is going to take on the number three seed, Cincinnati. Shout-outs to the mid-major conferences, the group of five. Good looks, American. This is an opportunity for you guys to now grow as a conference. I mean, huge opportunity for them. Hopefully it happens. But that's about it for me today. And I got to thank you guys for sticking with me to the end. Remember, tweet at me at Zubeard77 on the Twitter machine. Make sure to hit that subscribe. Hit that five-star rating. We'll let you know when the next episode is out. Of course, it will be the pregame for the matchup versus those damn Eagles from Philadelphia this weekend. And, I mean, hey, people, there have been crazier things than the Jets coming out and maybe getting another win. So let's all stay calm. Let's enjoy some good college football on Saturday, and I will chat with y'all on Sunday. Enjoy it, people. Stay safe out there. But you know what, guys? It's time for me to jet on out of here and get some Christmas lights up. <laughs> and until next time we talk, everybody, I must bid you adieu. Peace.